We're behind the black and gold and the nation of fans that cheer them on. At First National Bank, we're proud to stand behind the fans in the city we call home with everything you need to manage your money. From a top-rated mobile app that puts more security and control at your fingertips to a website that makes scheduling an appointment easy, we're behind you all the way. Let's get started at fnb-online.com or your local First National Bank. FNB member FDIC. <sighs> what do you want to watch? I don't know. You recommend the CBAS? I don't know. Which checking account is better? I don't know. It's okay if you don't know everything about banking. Northwest is here to help with our new Affinity checking accounts designed to fit your life. Our team will help you find the right account and build financial peace of mind. One, I don't know, at a time. Northwest, increasing the value of you. Northwest Bank is member FDIC, equal housing lender. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Three o'clock on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. New time, same drill. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Arthur Motes, we're back in the saddle later today. You know, usually by this time, three o'clock, right? I'm at home. I got my feet up. You know, I got a little cold cut sandwich made. You know, maybe I'm watching with some... chips, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> the, the the voodoo the voodoo kettle chips, obviously. <sighs> you know, feed up, uh, television on, maybe a baseball game or a basketball game or a hockey game or Let's a soccer Bucks. game. Let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. Let's talk about their win percentage and where that's at in the hierarchy of the league right now. But let's go, Box. <laughs> but Arthur Motz, we are rocking the microphones. Our new training camp schedule, 3 to 6, Monday to Friday. <laughs> Holla at your boys. I mean, you got plenty of opportunity now. They ask, they shall receive Arthur Motz extra hour on the show today. And, you know, for the next uh, three, four, maybe even more weeks here. This is what the people wanted. This is what the people have. And we are here. We are servants of the people, man. So with that being said, I'm excited about it, man. Jam-packed show per usual. And overall, man, it was just a fun weekend, first off. I mean, we talk about the sports that we had take place, mm. especially Pittsburgh sports. Obviously, you know, the Pens, they weren't as successful as we have liked them to have. But we did get a chance to see some playoff hockey. And that was fun, man. It was exciting just to see some more live sports, some more Pittsburgh sports, because it's different watching the Amen NBA bubble, watching the WNBA. We don't really have a vested rooting interest in it because none of the teams are from Pittsburgh. Right. But when you get a chance to see the Pens play in playoff hockey mode, and it was always good to see, you know, the organizations here in Pittsburgh steadily supporting them, putting out the different tweets and support. You see the different athletes from the Steelers that have watched the game or were tuning into the game at some point. So for me, man, I was just thoroughly enjoying that whole element. Yeah, absolutely. And here we are, Arthur Motes, Monday, August 3rd, and training camp is underway. You officially wanna, official. You want to know how I know it's officially official, how Arthur do, Motes? How do you know that? 
Because the Steelers just tweeted out like a three-second clip of Ben Roethlisberger throwing a football. Oh, snap. And by throwing a football, I mean like a tight shot on him, right? Ah. I mean, you can't tell where he's looking, where he's hey, going, hey, what hey. he's doing. They don't ask all of that now. But Arthur Motes, a three-second clip of Ben Roethlisberger dropping back and letting her fly. And we've broken the internet here. I mean, Steelers fans are, are losing their minds in a good way. You know, that's the beauty of Steeler Nation. That's the beauty of Big Ben, too, man. He understands this and the beauty of the Steelers marketing department, man. They understand what Big Ben means to not only the Steelers, but to the city of Pittsburgh, man. Anytime. I mean, we saw this way back when, was it February? No, it would have been March, I think it was, when he had the video of him. Instead of throwing the tennis ball, he's throwing an actual football. Yep. And granted, <laughs> it was only a five-second clip. You couldn't see what he was throwing, how far he was throwing, but just that clip shut the whole internet down, man. So, of course, seeing him throw today <laughs> in uniform, too. I think that was the one of the yeah. real just hitting home parts was him actually in Steelers jersey. Looked like he was rolling out of the pocket. Absolutely, on the field. Not in the, I mean, it's still a controlled environment, and it was still, you know, like I said, on the field, considered, uh, very similar to what we saw when he was throwing with Juju, sure. uh, James Conner, Ryan Switzer. But it's just different when you're in that Steelers apparel. It's different when you see him in Hinesville. And it's drastically different when you see that little Steelers logo <laughs> in the corner. You're yes, like, oh, is. man, this is like the real deal right here. So, man, I'm excited about it. But according to everything that he's been saying, according to everything that Coach Tomlin's been saying, even the decisions that were made by Kevin Colbert, they all point to him being healthy. They all point to him being ready to go. They all point to him not having any sort of hiccups or any type of regression or anything along those right. lines. And that's what Kevin Colbert has been preaching this whole time. That's what Coach Tomlin has been saying. And their actions have backed that up, regardless of if we all agree upon that decision 100% or not. That's what they've said, and that's what you know Ben throwing shows again. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to be excited, obviously. And this is a long, right, like the proper timeline because when that video of Ben throwing the tennis ball in the gym came out, right? And then a few months later, there was with him and Juju, and I believe James Conner and Ryan Switzer as yes, well, right? Absolutely. Out, out of the field uh, with Juju, you know, he's back. Well, hey, hey, hey. Uh, it was jacked up, Ryan Switzer, too. It was. I'm about to say, put some Hulk, respect on him, Hulk man. Ryan Switzer. Put baby. some respect on his offseason program. He's not playing any games. It was kind of talked about that, right, like, okay, well, OTA time frame in May, right, is when Ben would, would start throwing again, and then that would ramp up, and we hope by training camp, right, that he would be ready to be a participant. So under a normal schedule, right, like, this would have been that time. Uh, so you, you would actually, I mean, this sounds crazy, Arthur Motes, but under a normal schedule, this Thursday would have been the Steelers' first preseason. I mean, we'd be three days away from the from that Hall of Fame game against yo Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> but that right, like so, it's it's easy to kind of you, it, it just seemed like it's been so right. long it's ago. So you long. said the cow. I was like the, the Hall of Fame. I'm like, what is Wait, that? Yeah, That's right, the thing, right? Like, because again, yeah. with this new timeline and everything, right? I think it's kind of very easy to like. I don't know if this is the right analogy, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Throw the baby out with the bathwater with all this, Whoa, right? What? What type of analogy is this? Right, like forgetting. I've never like, heard that before. Getting what? what the normal timeline would have looked, right? Like just kind of chucking throw everything out. Throw the baby out, out with the bathwater. Have you ever heard that before? You can't that, throw that the baby is, out with the bathwater. Boy, bath water? that sounds like some West Virginia stuff right there. Now, I, oh, I, throw the baby out with the bathwater, boy. You never heard that expression I've before. I've never heard. Not where I'm from, nah. Really? What? That's a thing? Oh, that's a real thing. Yeah. Wow. Everybody <laughs> on Twitter. All right. At West Virginia, at the Body 52. <laughs> what? Tell Arthur Motes that that's a real expression. You just, can't throw the baby out. Just throw the baby out the bathwater. Wow. 
<laughs> what? Because, all right, where, what? It, where it comes from, Arthur Motes, you know, please, allow me to put on, allow me to put on my history hat. Educate the, me, please. Allow me to put on my, my, what? my Professor Euler history cap here for the next 90 seconds. Uh, you know, back in the day, right? Back okay. in, back in the in the old country. Uh-huh. Every you'd have like a bath. Oh, on the right? country roads? <laughs> you'd have a you'd have a bath with like literally no running water, right? At these farmhouses. Like you'd have a big bath okay. that would get filled up with bath water. Okay. And then dad would take his bath first and everybody else would follow. Serious. The baby was always last. Ah. So by the time it'd be the time for baby to have a bath, the water would be a little murky. Gosh. You know okay, okay. So that's where the expression came from because you could lose the baby in the bathwater because it was uh, so dirty. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. When you go to West Virginia, you get that type of backwood country education you know, you on up, just life. You grew up <laughs> south of the Mason Dixon line. I don't want to hear it from you. Hey, it, it was south of the Mason Dixon without a doubt, but it was still with city. <laughs> I've never you, you, when you start talking about water, and I'm saying, man, outside of when we had a couple of hurricanes, I never had to worry about the water in the bathtub. And even when we did, when it was a hurricane, we weren't taking baths anyways. Then we was trying to survive. I say what? <laughs> throw the baby out with the bath? I'm gonna use. I'm going home today. I'm saying that. Hey, wife, don't throw the baby out with the bath water now. You know what? I'm gonna see you what she say. You go home and say that to Shonda because uh, I know she's she she's cultured. All you right, she's I mean? from the Bay. She's <laughs> like me. You know, she grew up in a, just a center of yeah. cultural excellence. But but you know what? I'm a fan of learning something new, baby. I learned something new today, so it's all love. I ain't tripping. It's no problem. It's no problem. <laughs> Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Before my analogy, before my analogy just complete. That was very punch and wolf of us there. What just happened right there? It was. We saw a shiny object and went with it. <laughs> um, this was supposed to be the normal timeline for Ben Roethlisberger, Correct. right? Like around this time, to see that actually happen, I, I think is encouraging. Like you said, it. it shows that there hasn't been a setback that there you know we, we don't know like like you came in here you know grinning about who knows what that throw lo- looked like it could have been a five yard out route but the fact that he's out there throwing right is at least a good indicator that hasn't had a setback the timeline as they anticipated um were on schedule for the timeline that they anticipated. yeah very true um regardless of like i said how far the throw was the spiral and all that other nonsense the fact is he's on schedule and I had some concerns about that just because of the lack of OTAs and the lack of uh, mini camps. I was a little concerned that that could hinder his rehab, that could hinder his overall readiness for the season. Now, granted, like you said, this is day one. They're having walkthroughs in just uh, strength and conditioning right now. So we're still not going to be able to get the best gauge until they start actually having full team practices in what, uh, I believe it's two weeks. Correct. Yeah. So once they start the doing seventeenth, the seventeenth is when they have their padded practice. But they start. Oh, you mean with on like the, the uh, helmets? The, I think the fourteenth or the fifteenth yes, is when they officially right. will start that. that. Right. So when I think of that, I say to myself, well, you know, he still has what essentially two weeks, a little over that, to fully get up to speed. If there are any concerns about him before he starts letting it rip. But once the fourteenth, fifteenth time frame happens, and then from there, when he puts on the shoulder pads, then we'll be able to tell a lot more. We'll be able to gauge a lot more his overall readiness. But like I said, man, I'm trusting in the organization. Yeah, They've made the the moves that they've made, and essentially they're betting the house on him being prepared to go. And Ben isn't a guy that's going to tell you one thing and not be prepared to go. Um, I mean, personal experience, I've been in locker rooms with him after a crazy wild card game versus the uh, Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Yeah. And my man is one arm all week, everything left-handed, and he's like, I'm going to be good to go come Sunday. And you're like – Man, it's Saturday at 6 o'clock in this walkthrough, and you haven't moved that right arm yet. Like, what do you mean? Right. Then he comes out there on Sunday and, and absolutely goes berserk. <laughs> so, either way, 
I trust the man. All right. If he says he's good to go, he's good to go. Devin says that saying is old, but nobody I know shared the same bathwater. <laughs> Hey, hold on, Denver's on Denver, right? He is. So, I mean, I mean see, see, see that, that's, West Virginia that's joke. The, the, Denver ain't that, I mean, in terms of, like, landscape-wise. So, here we go. It turns out it's actually a German proverb. Well, you do like German proverbs. See, um, you know what my yeah. last name is. Absolutely. Uh, earliest recording of the phrase was 1512. Wow. Uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater is an expression for avoiding an avoidable error. Like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That is an avoidable error. I wouldn't consider that an error. I consider that a catastrophe. It's <laughs> <laughs> a mild way to put it. Oh, I just, I just had a little mess up. I just threw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what happens every once in a while. What? No, it doesn't. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Susie down the road, you know, she threw her baby out of bathwater last <laughs> week. He's Am fine. I missing something here? The no. baby landed on its head. It was a, a concussion protocol for a week. It'd be all right. That mine house is dying house. You know, that's what we sell over in Germany, man. Don't worry about it. What? This is crazy. Mine mine house is dying house. I don't even know if that's proper, but it's It is, it is. I I got a German homie, man. He taught me that. That's the only German I know. All right. Let me let me alone, man. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, speaking English with you here on SNR for the next two hours and forty-five minutes. So we talked about Ben, right? What about the rest of the vets? First day out there, what's that like? What's the importance of of all this that they've lost up until this point in the offseason. We're rolling along. We'll take your tweets. We've got three hours today, folks, a whole bunch to get into. And then guess what? After us, you got two more hours of radio with Mike Pursuta, Dale Lawley, and Matt Williamson. Don't you just love it? 9 a.m. to 8 a.m. Every day, Arthur Motes, 11 hours of live programming through the month of August. Nobody does it like SNR. It's it's a new world, Arthur Motes. New world order. But it's the same SNR, baby. Woo! <laughs> We're going to take our first break, get those tweets in. On the other side, we will continue to talk about the opening of Steelers Training Camp 2020 at Heinz Field. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, our three-hour corner to talk a little Steelers football right here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rocking and rolling Steelers Blitz. Same shenanigans, different time slot. We're three to six now here on SNR, and we shall be indefinitely going forward Arthur Motes, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, I guess technically last week was report week, right? But this is the week now that people have passed their COVID test, vets able to get out there and get after it. Of course, we talked about Big Ben to start the show. Motes, this might seem like a, uh, I don't know, dumb question for lack of a better term. No dumb questions. There's no dumb, no, was it dumb, stupid, no stupid questions, I've right? both, actually. Because, see, I don't know if this is a stupid question. It just might be a dumb one. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I mean, know. as long as you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, it would be all right. <laughs> Four veteran guys, right? Uh, guys like Ben Roethlisberger, guys like David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, guys that, you know, they've been there, they've done that. They are uh, veterans in the National Football League. Vet guys. 
what's the importance of the offseason like, right? Because you went through that whole trajectory. You came in as a six-round pick rookie, right, who had to earn your stripes, earn your spot. You know, you weren't some first-round guy who was going to just be handed everything, right? You had to go out there and claw and, and fight for it and pray that Von Miller didn't end up on the bills and then keep fighting some more. Blessings. <laughs> Bless him. And then you got to the point, you know, where you were – uh, an established guy, more of a veteran, where you knew you were gonna, you know, your your job wasn't necessarily on the line every, every year at training camp. So it again, it might be kind of silly, but what is just the importance of the off season, right, for these guys who, again, they they're they've been with the Steelers for a while, they've been National Football League players for a long time, they know what it takes. Is it still just? Getting your body right, getting your mind right, getting on the same page as everybody. Is it? Does it become more of a physical thing and less of a mental thing maybe as you get older? What's the importance of the offseason for these vets who finally got to go today and, you know, kind of with the backdrop of everything they lost this offseason? See, I was waiting on you to specify which part of the offseason you were referring to because, you know, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of offseason. I'm like, are you talking like – OTAs offseason, you talking about mini camp offseason, talking about training camp offseason, because each offseason has a different phase to it, especially when it pertains to veterans. Um, I know for me, I would always look at the OTA element of the offseason as kind of like I'm just getting my body back used to the movement element of it. Because you've been working out without a doubt. You've been doing stuff to stay in shape. You never just show up to OTAs out of shape. That's I strongly don't recommend that because the Casey Hampton days yeah, of showing I, I up recommend to get in shape all, over. Yeah. yeah, but I know for me, I would traditionally – I mean, I was always running, always staying in shape. I, I thought of, like, uh, the different world champion boxers, like guys like Ali, Tyson, or even uh, – Mayweather, and they always talked about how they live their lifestyle as if they were fighting 24-7. Hmm. So they'd never have to worry about shocking their body or to cut weight when it's time for a fight. They're already, you know, within 5 to 10 pounds tops. Sure. So I always tried to maintain that element. So when OTAs would happen, I was already around my playing weight, but I wasn't necessarily where I was going to be at come season time. You just need a little polish. Yeah, well, and, and the thing was this. I tell people a lot, too, in terms of, each part of the season or, or when you're coming into the season, I traditionally wanted to cut weight before I got to training camp because once I got to training camp, I didn't want to have to worry about cutting weight where you have to worry about make sure you're hydrated sure. along with carrying pads. So in OTAs, I was going to be a little bit heavier, right? But I was still going to be able to do everything I needed to do at a high level, just more so working on my my fundamentals, my hand placement, footwork, and things like that. But when it, comes, when it would come time for training camp like we're in now, Probably a week prior to training camp was when I would traditionally go on my I'm going to cut five to ten pounds because I want to make sure that I was super light. And then from there, once I put my pads on, now I'm going to be back to the weight that I've been accustomed sure. to being at all OTAs. Sure. So that was kind of the mindset with that. So traditionally, like, like I said, for right now, this would be, okay, we have did our official weigh-in. We're about to start practicing. All right, now I'm going to get on my hydration kick because obviously during this time of year – traditionally gets really, really hot yeah. and humid. So you always want to make it's sure you're hydrated. Dog days of summer, right? Absolutely. You want to make sure you're hydrated. And then from there, you know, we didn't have two weeks, that luxury of, or 17 days before we had to put pads on. It was typically you report on Thursday, you're in pads on Sunday. So that's why my mindset and my body would be more speeded up for sure. that. Whereas in this, sure. in this situation right here, knowing that you're going to have essentially two weeks from today, these guys reported a couple of days ago. But no, or not even a couple of days. They reported last week. So knowing that they have still two weeks before they're even out there practicing, 
you still have a little bit more time in that regard in terms of if you wanted to cut more weight or if you wanted to put on a little bit more, if you wanted to focus on the hydration or if you wanted mm-hmm. to just kind of ease your body into it, you had those luxuries. So those are some of the things that the veterans are going to have to adapt and, and ultimately find what they think is best for them this year sure. because of that schedule being a little bit altered. A and- little unprecedented. I don't know why I've, I've never heard that word before. I know I can't believe that not every company in America has That's, sent out emails talking about I, I unprecedented really like that time. Word, man. Yeah, I like you know, that. Maybe we should do that. I maybe like we that. should get every company in America that uh-huh. you've ever given your email address to to send you an email saying that that they <laughs> that they're just thinking about you and they want you to know that they're they've got your safety See? first and foremost during these unprecedented times. That's all we need, man. That's all we need. <laughs> But it would make I'm, us all feel better. It would. I would feel reassured. And then I would go spend money at their spot, <laughs> without a doubt. But ultimately, man, the difference, too, when, when you're talking about how you will be preparing your body for right now, traditionally, like I said, we're doing that under the mindset that, hey, in two to three weeks, I have a preseason game. Right. Not, hey, from the 17th to what, September 10th is game time, like an actual game game. That's a totally different level of urgency that you would have to operate under when getting your body prepared for that so that's why it's still going to be very unique but if you're a veteran you have to just lean on that pre- that prior experience you have to lean on what you've been able to do um prior to being here right or, or prior to being in this year and, and i think honestly guys like pouncy guys who've dealt with injuries before hmm. who've had to miss significant amounts of time whether it's during the regular season or during off-season programs this is what they've already had to accomplish before. They've already had to deal with, all right, we're going to have a, a, a minimized role in OTAs. Okay, we're going to practice, but we're not going to be in, we're not playing any of the preseason games. We've seen this before numerous times with Pouncey when he's come back from injuries. Right. And then it's like, all right, when it's game time, you have to be ready to go for 60 snaps. Those are the guys that if I'm a veteran right now or if I'm even a young guy, I'm asking him, hey, what is your mindset? What's your mentality? How have you operated? What do you do to accomplish that and stay physically conditioned for a game hmm. without ever playing in a game like that's difficult to do you can run a thousand sprints but then you get out there and actually play in a game you're like my lungs are on fire right, right now like what is going on I feel here? like i'm gonna throw up yeah like and that's and that's real life so those are the guys that i would lean on guys that have had to deal with lack of preseason lack of otas right. due to injuries and rehabs because they have the most experience hmm. in this type of situation whereas a guy like me who was always out there for otas always out there for minicamp, always out there for training camp, always out there for a preseason game, I never really had to worry about, all right, how do I get my body in shape for this? Because I knew my checkpoint was, all right, I come to training camp, I'm away, let's see, probably 240, maybe even 238. Mm -hmm. By the end of the week, I'm at 245. Mm -hmm. When I got the pads on, I'm probably 245 to 247. So I'm good in that regard. And then from there, okay, I'm going to be heavy that first preseason game. I'm going to be heavy that second preseason game. Third preseason game, I'm right at my plan weight. I'll be 242 on the dot. And then from there, fourth preseason game, short week, just get out of there healthy. And after that is game time. I'm ready to go. But you don't have those checkpoints right now. So that's the unique element of this whole situation right now. Certainly. A lot of of unique elements. That's definitely one of them. One of the guys that I wonder as it relates to kind of what you just touched on there, Motsi. Is there anything that Cam Hayward can draw from his lockout-shortened offseason experience that he can kind of pass along with these guys? Or do you think that this is just, it's so totally different, everyone's kind of learning on the fly? No, I think um, 
for the lockout element of it, yes. Like the shortened off because season that he was that 2010 or 11? It was 11. So okay. it was my so second, it was your second year. year. So the reason why I can tell you that it would benefit him in in some regard was because we didn't have any OTA, any mini camp, right. any rookie mini camp at all. It's the only the, other time that's happened. Right. The difference was we still had the preseason games. It's true. So even though training camp was very condensed in terms of us going on location, like I said, at that time I was in Buffalo, so we went to uh, St. John Fisher College. Okay. So we were only there for I think it was maybe two weeks considered, I mean, compared to when we're usually there for almost a whole month it felt like. Right. You know, it's similar to what the Steelers would, would traditionally do with St. Vincent College. Like three and a half weeks. So – the difference was we were just there for a condensed amount of time, but we still had the preseason games. So you still were able to have your checkpoints to get your body in shape. And and for me, going to my second year, let's be real, I'm not even going to lie to you and act as if I had this whole how I just laid out my, right. my office. Sure. I didn't have that back then. In fact, I remember coming in that training camp. <sighs> I was probably 20 pounds heavier than what I played, mm. like what I finished season at. I came into camp, I remember I was 265. Whew. Me and Kelvin Shepard, we were playing inside linebacker in a 3-4, though. So traditional 3-4, guards uncovered coming up mm -hmm. on you, so we were going to be bigger. Mm -hmm. But I remember me and him, I'm 265, he was 272, and we would be like, all right, um, we need to be able to run a little more. So we would do <laughs> cardio after each practice, and then from there we obviously dropped a lot more sure. weight. But that was an element of it because – Just not we, having all that. Be, well, and the thing was – at that time, for him, he was a rookie, but for me, my thought process was, all right, I'm lifting my weights, I run enough to stay, that I'm in shape, right? but I'm not necessarily focusing on the dieting element of it. I'm not necessarily focusing on, all right, am I in practice shape or am I in game shape? I wasn't really, I wasn't educated enough at that point in my career. But the thing was, because I was in shape, I was still able to make plays and go on from there. And then, like I said, for me, when it comes to losing weight, if I really try to do it, I can knock it out with right. no issue. So that was never a problem with me in that regard. So I was able to get right where I needed to be. But I remember that was a struggle for me because I wasn't educated. So that's why I was a little concerned with some of the second-year players and some of the rookies just because sure. it's different when you're in college and you have your winter workouts, when you have your spring ball. It's a lot more structured. Whereas your strength the, and conditioning coach is still yeah. there. Your head coach is still there. Well, and I tell people all the time, your collegiate strength and conditioning program usually is going to be better than your NFL program because in college, because you have a larger number, they are not necessarily concerned with you getting hurt. They're more concerned with trying to get you as strong, as big, as fast as you can get. Hmm. So they're going to push you a lot harder. Whereas in the NFL, you're a $50 million guy. I'm not trying to get you hurt in the weight room. Yeah. What? You no. You not at all. something in the weight room. No. Yeah. In fact, they would tell you, they, this is what they told me consistently throughout my career. Lift, if it's, if it's a forced rep, you stop. Meaning, if I got to, ah, right. and do all that, mm, that's too heavy. You don't need to do that. They don't want you to have any tears. They don't want you to strain anything in the right. weight room because right. you get paid to play. You're not a bodybuilder. Whereas in college, you got to think some of these guys are coming from high school where they never – I mean, in high school, I tell you, I never lifted weights in high school. I would go – my strength program was this. I walked into the high school weight room. I put 315 on the bench bar. <laughs> I hit it one time. Coach said I'm good to go. I, I, throw, I throw 300 on the hand clean. I hand clean it one time. I'm good to go. I throw four, 400 pounds on the squat rack. I said, Coach, I don't even squat because it make my legs tired. He said, you good. You fast. Don't worry about it. That was my strength and conditioning program. So when I got to college – yeah, they they push me so much harder. Sure, but I can tell you throughout my nine year career, not once did I have an NFL workout that ever rivaled one of my college workouts. I said all the time, man. I it was times where 
you know, it's during the off season. I'm like, all right, I want to go back to college to train. And I would train with them guys, and I'm like, yo, this is the most stupid thing ever. Like, why was I doing this again? But then you remember that these kids are 18, 19. They've right. never lifted. They're they, 200 they, pounds. Right, they have to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm, I'm fast as them, athletic as them, but, yeah, I'm a lot bigger. And it's right. a, a totally different style of training at the NFL you level. you got 18-year-olds who are going to be all of a sudden playing against 22, 23-year-olds. Absolutely. So you got to you give them the fast track. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and you also have to remember this. Their season is a lot shorter, too. Mm-hmm. Ten games plus what? Now they got the two playoff games at the FCS level. We had playoff games. So, at work, I mean, best case, if you went to the championship, you had four extra four games. Four extra games. So, even with that, that's only 14 games. That's 14 games compared to 16 NFL games. Plus not preseason. Counting, not counting four preseason. Not counting a bye week where you're still going to practice. And that's before you even get to the playoffs. So that's why the training is drastically different as well because you just have to make sure your body can last that long along with the condensed amount of roster space. So traditionally in college, you can be the back of the linebacker. You're not taking practice squad reps. Right. No, you're taking first team, second team defense reps. Right. In the NFL, if you're the backup linebacker, you're going to get your, your five plays on team defense and then you're taking the full 13 plays on practice squad. Like, that's just how it goes. So you don't have that luxury like you traditionally would in college. So that's why for a lot of the college guys mm. that make that transition, it's an adjustment period trying to get their body in, in, in game shape and also making sure that it's prepared so it doesn't burn out either. Right. It's a lot of uh, – They don't necessarily uh, have that voice pushing – that person mm-hmm. pushing them that and was especially there every in day the, in And college. especially in this offseason where you didn't have a chance for a veteran to take you to the side – so for me, my first year, I had a veteran to educate me on that. My second year, like I said, I had to do it on my own. And it was like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. And then from there, third and fourth year, I was like, all right, I understand what I'm doing sure. now. But that, that is a whole other element of this. Everyone's trying to get up to speed as quick as possible. Yeah, that, that's something that, uh, that Mike Tomlin talked about last week. Chase Claypool talked about last week as well. Uh, Moats hit on it, especially for the rookies, uh, even for the, the sophomore guys, the, the, the second-year guys as well, too. Just a, a whole lot of uncertainty. And, I mean, poor Minka Fitzpatrick, he's not even getting his Latrobe experience. Maybe two you years said, in Pittsburgh, no Latrobe. Did you say poor Minka, Minka for not having Latrobe experience? Is it, is it what you're saying? Uh, you know what? He ain't getting no dinos and sharkies. Yeah, come you, on. You know what, Mika? If that's on. the worst thing, I'll go pick it up for you. Don't even trip. <laughs> all right? If, if that's if that's all you hey, – I got you. We can do that. I'll gladly go with you for that. All right? But that, that's where we draw the line, okay? Here's what we'll do one day. We'll get moats on the phone, right, <laughs> on the cell phone, and he'll just drive – during the show, he'll drive out the Latrobe, pick up dinos and sharkies, and drive back, and give us a play-by-play the whole way. Boom. That, that's it, man. <laughs> And, and, look, and you know what? Okay, I miss I miss Dinos and Sharkies. You you want to experience that, and you want to experience the walking down the hill, signing the autographs, the fans. Other than that, you good. It ain't no problem. Other than that, you ain't missing out on nothing. You good, baby. Just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not missing out on the dorm life. I'll tell you oh, that. Oh man, I'll tell you that much for free. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rocking and rolling here on a Monday. Some more housekeeping to get to. From the opening of training camp, we got some more happenings in Pittsburgh to discuss, some more around the National Football League as well. We will do that when we return. Still taking your tweets at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. New training camp schedule, same SNR. Rocking and rolling here, Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler on a Monday, August 3rd. And Arthur Motes, we got some more... um, I guess housekeeping-ish items here, if you will, right? Some news and notes of the day, obviously. Um, I think one of the big things that came out over the weekend that we need to discuss, some more um, Steelers added to the uh, the COVID reserve list, correct? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, yes, absolutely. Jalen Samuels, James Washington amongst them. So they add to the two of them make four, four total, now, yes. correct? Okay, with the other two being... Justin Lane yes. and... I'm drawing a blink on the other guy. He's, um, geez, he was, he was one of the newer kid. guys yeah. that they brought in, right? Yep. I rem- uh, wasn't Curtis. No, I'm thinking of Curtis Riley, who they, uh, who no, they no. just signed. A- uh, Aaron Springs. That's Aaron what it was. Springs. That's yeah, right. DB out of Oregon. That's right. Now, with this Arthur Motes, too, at the same time, it I, I don't think it's official yet, right? But they're trying to move up the yeah. opt out <laughs> deadline, correct? Which was supposed to originally be next week, but yeah. now they're trying to push it up to this week. Yeah, so uh, reports have been coming out, started out yesterday, that the NFL is trying to move up the COVID opt-out deadline from, it was supposed to be the 8th, which I believe would have been Saturday or Sunday, to uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Um, Honestly, I can see the, I guess, decision-making process from both sides. If you're the NFL, you're saying to yourselves, well, look, it's very condensed from a training camp standpoint. The sooner we know, the better we can prepare our teams and better we can prepare those guys to go out there and play come, you know, the opening week uh, was it September 10th. But if you're the players, this is kind of messed up because you, you told us we had this date. We've had a chance to prepare. And obviously, this is a very fluid situation. I mean, the information that has come out now, whereas I think it's, what, 45 players total that have chosen to opt out, not to mention how many players and coaches have tested positive or been in close proximity with somebody that was positive for COVID. It's a lot of new information. So if you're the player, I mean, to feel like now all of a sudden you want us to rush to make this opt-out or opt-in decision, it, it, it comes off as very, you know, shady or or not the most genuine in terms of your true care for me as a well-being and my family as well. So from that element of it, I mean, I would definitely have an issue with it. Like I said, uh, I think it was a Devin McCourty from the Patriots. Correct. He's already chosen to opt out. But he went on and he was very vocal about it as well and adamant about them needing to keep the deadline where it is. But like I said, from the NFL standpoint, if you're trying to make the moves you need to make, bring in players, et cetera, you do want to know sooner rather than later. But my issue is this. We hear this all the time when it comes to contracts, right? Well, you made the agreement on the contract, right? We hear this all the time when a player decides that he wants to hold off for more money and <laughs> things like that. So this should be no different. We had an agreement. The agreement was that I get seven days from when it's time for us to report to decide if I'm going to opt out or not. So abide by that agreement, abide by the quant- the contract, in air quotes, and, yeah, go from there. So I, I really don't like – just the, the thought of them trying to move it up, it just comes off as you're trying to make these players make rushed decisions. Right. This isn't an easy thing to do. When you're talking about a player deciding to opt out or not, it's multiple things that he has to deal with. Number one, from a roster standpoint, is he good or not? I mean, in terms of making the roster or not, because 
that can drastically affect your decision-making process if you're not high risk. If you are high risk, your $350,000 is guaranteed plus that credit a season. But if you're not high risk, then that money, that $150,000 is in advance. So in theory, the NFL, if you come back the following year and you don't make the team, the NFL can say, hey, I want my one fifty back. That's the caveat that we don't really talk about with this whole opt-in, opt-out situation. But that is a realistic and legitimate issue. That's something that these players really have to consider. Yeah. Not to mention, now you go into the guys that have is layers to it now. So for the guys that are in the final year of their contract or they want to be one year closer to whether they can renegotiate a contract, think about Dak Prescott this year versus a year ago. Were okay, or excuse me, not Dak, but um, Juju, for example, right? Last year he wasn't eligible to negotiate, whereas now he's eligible to negotiate an extension and things like that. You think about all of those things. If you're a guy that's either one year away from being able to negotiate or one year away from free agency, yeah, that that's going to be a big deal in terms of you deciding to opt in or opt out. It's not as easy as people are making it seem. And then that's before you even get to the pressure of the fans element of it. Yeah. Because we see how the fans have reacted to guys who've chosen to opt out or or stay in. We, we, I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent is there. It's very clear. So though it's a lot of things. Whereas the owners, they don't have those same type of issues. They don't have those same the same type of pressure in terms of, man, I got to worry about this, or I need to worry about that, or I need to worry about this. No, they, they're not having to deal with those same type of situations, nor are they going to have to deal with the same level of risk that the players are going to have to deal with by them being in close proximity with these players, with players from other teams, and then also going home and things along that nature. So I just don't think that it's right to rush them on this decision. You made an agreement already and abide by that agreement. And honestly, I don't think that it's going to be a big change in terms of guys opting in or opting out, even if you kept it at the same deadline. But I do think it will be viewed drastically different from the players to the owners in terms of that trust that we're always talking about. If you tell them they need to move it up, now it makes you wonder, like, well, what's up with this? You know, or are you really doing this for my best interest or are you just worried about yourself? Because as we've seen every single day, it's been new information gathered. It's been new yeah. people testing positive. It's been people that were asymptomatic. Now it's people that do have symptoms. People that we're still trying to figure out, okay, if you had it before, can you get it again? Right. It's a lot of question marks. Nobody has the answers right now. So I just don't think it's right to try to force these players into a, a hasted decision. Yeah, it's a great call by you. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's something they agreed upon, right? This is not the right time to kind of try and change that on the fly. I think especially Moats whenever I mean, we've seen a coach, I mean, two coaches, Sean Payton and your boy a while ago. Both of your boys, oh, man. Here we go. Both uh, of your boys. Gosh. And now Doug Peterson, right, I think, was it yeah. over the weekend or yes. Friday or over, over the, the weekend, weekend, over be, the weekend. became the second coach, obviously. It was, I mean, it was a while. It was three, four months ago, I think, when Sean Payton mm-hmm. announced that he had it. Uh, Doug Peterson's second NFL coach to test positive. And that's, I mean, you talk about rough timing, right? You have the whole lack of offseason, everything, everything pushed back. And then when it's finally good to go, I mean, what? I'm assuming he's going to have to work virtually for the yeah. next two weeks. That's, man, hopefully, I mean, that's one of those things, too. That could be, I mean, we've we've spent so much time that's talking about. another element we right. haven't even dove into, We've man. spent some time, not a lot of time, but we've spent some time talking about, okay, what happens if, you know, there's a, a, a Miami Marlins type breakout Correct. on an NFL team. What happens if a couple coaches get this and then can't run their teams? I, especially when that's it's rough, tra- most. especially now that it's transitioning from the virtual element to the actual on right. the field hands on right. element. You've been waiting for this for four months. Yeah. 
three months. And you can tell me, I mean, and of course, even him, I think he's already said it. Well, I can do it virtually. We understand the optimism, but let's be real about it. It's not the same. It's nowhere near the same. And there's a reason why training camp is hands-on and not virtually. If that's the case, it would have been virtual every year. There's a reason why OTAs are in person and not virtually. If that's the case, OTAs be virtual every year. If it's no big deal, if it's all the same, well, shoot, man, I can go ahead and do my work over here. Don't worry about it. Just virtually. I can just, I can just stay on the beach and do it. Yeah, just, we'll, we'll hit you up virtually. Don't worry about it. It's a, it's a difference. So that's my only thing with that, man. It is very impactful, man. And especially, like you said, it's not like this is a position coach. Right. This is the head coach. This is the captain. This is the this guy is the who's boss. in the con, right? He, <laughs> he's running the show. I, I, I need I need you there. That's your conductor. Absolutely. I because mean, he, is Symphony going to do a concert without their conductor? Right, and there's certain things that, man, coach, especially head coaches, they want their practice run a certain way. Yeah. And the intensity once they are out there. How many times have we seen Coach Tomlin stop something? Yeah. I need to see this again. That's a great point. We'll start this over. I need to teach you this. We got to go in more depth about that. Even with the position coaches out That's there, even point. with the coordinators out there, it's a reason why. And you can't get that virtually. No, you can't. And you can't. I mean, even when you're out there, Motes, you can't see everything at once. Not at all. When, when you're behind a computer screen. Oh, good luck. Hey, hey turn that camera, man. Turn turn right. the camera to the uh, left a little who, more. That's who we need to be praying for these next two weeks. Those poor Eagles video guys. I mean, they're going to be man. Oh, double time. We ain't even think about those. If, if one of those guys get it, oh, you don't got it. Trust me. You might have backup coaches because you got your, your, oh, he's an assistant or he's the right. uh, uh, intern. You don't have that with cameramen. No. You got two cameras. This you guy, got your content guy. You got like he's the, got the wide angle. And the he's got the guy. tight angle. That's it. All right? That's it. <laughs> uh, Deuce Staley will handle on-site duties during Doug Peterson's Shout out to Deuce, man. Deuce. Shout out to Deuce. That's, yeah, I mean, oh. I can't imagine. You've been chomping at the bit all summer. You finally get ready to get go here, get going here, and then uh, your coach has COVID. You gotta, you gotta sit out. I definitely cool. think it's more impactful for a coach to have it than a player, though. I think so too. Because with a player, you, you, I mean, you would treat the player getting COVID as if he was injured. You would just have the right. next it's guy. Like a, it's step like an ankle in. sprain. Yeah, get in here, let's roll, and, and not in the sense of severity, but in the sense right. of just time away. Right. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, you come in here, you get the reps, we're good to go, we're the, fine. And that guy who's got the twisted ankle can still be standing there on the right. sideline saying, "Hey, this, I saw this, I saw that." Yeah. Well, I don't know if they can stand on the sideline with a twisted ankle. Yes, I was say not with the COVID. I was like, no, I'm, no, that, no, don't that's, think they that's can the difference. That's what I mean. Right, right, right. Like, right. like if um. <laughs> I don't know if 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 Doug Peterson messed up his knee right and had to like yeah, go still, up and down the hey, sideline on a cart. Yeah. He's still there. With or, this. or you can hit the Hugh Freeze and coach from the uh, from the booth. <laughs> Either way, you're good. The hospital booth. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're good. But well, it is the Novacare complex after see? all in Philadelphia. But that's the difference, though. I, I feel like with a coach, you don't have the backup head coach. No, the assistant head coach is the assistant head coach for a reason. He's not the head coach, and a lot of times the assistant head coach also wears another hat of. I mean, here in Pittsburgh, it was what uh, Johnny Mitchell, mm -hmm. who was the the head defensive line coach as well. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like he's just going to take over the team. So what he's going to just <laughs> you ignore know I mean? the defensive line for yeah. two weeks and start walking like it, around? It, it's, it's very difficult, man, when you're when you're operating like that. So it, it's definitely a, a big issue with the coach getting it because of just the impact that he has on your organization. I think so too. It's. Uh, it's a lot of moving parts, Arthur Motes. It's a lot of moving parts. But, hey, we're here. We're getting it figured out. We're, we're, everyone's going to, you know, pull their weight to make this work. And, yeah, I mean, this is – I think now we're seeing, too, why 
the decision to scrap the preseason, maybe kind of it wasn't even necessarily a decision. It was just something that needed to be done, right? Because you're going to have guys that are going to have to court. I mean, what, were the Eagles supposed to play a game in two weeks without Doug, a preseason game without Doug Peterson? <laughs> he said it's fine. He can do it virtually. He can do it virtually. <laughs> but that's another issue because you can't have any of the uh, Well, that's true the, the then, transmission right? The, the transmission. Absolutely. See? <laughs> Could How? you imagine preseason game, no fans, right? They got Doug Peterson up on the Jumbotron screaming. Yeah. <laughs> hey! You know, some backup left no, no, guard. No. I told you you were supposed to pull in the A-gap. <laughs> nah, man. Put Doug Peterson as a virtual fan like they do in the NBA bubble. <laughs> Just have his faces pop up over there. He's dressed like one of the always sunny yeah. Philadelphia characters just doing the, the eagle thing off in the background. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. What a time to be alive, Arthur Motes. What a time to be alive. We've got an hour in the books. Two hours more Let's to go, go here. We've got plenty to get to in the last two hours of the show. Uh, we've got a new addition to the Steelers' safety room. We've got some, even some more happenings here on this first day of training camp. We've also got some Ike Hilliard, Steelers wide receiver Ike. coach, audio to bring you in the next two hours as well. So keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Oh, 60 in the books, 120 still to go. Come back with us here on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. this is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Majestic. Well, that's good. Me too. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Blitz. New time. Same shenanigans. We're with you three to six now as the Steelers get going here on training camp. All right, we're not as bougie as Tunch and Wolf. We're not. So, I mean, you know, we don't just have the free-flowing uh, phone lines, all right? We're working on it. We might have a singular hotline that you can dial into at some point this... But only if you want to. <laughs> this, this month of August. But what we do have, Arthur Motes, always open, always lit. Well, that is, That's you know... the lit one? When, when Rebecca comes, comes along and gives us her thoughts. Uh, any tweets, all right? For our familiar listeners, you already know this, but I'd like to thank New Time Slot, Training Camp Motsi. Maybe we've picked up. Some new, uh, we've picked up some new listeners here so far today. Maybe some new ears, uh, hearing some new voices here on SNR. You tweet us at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. And as long as it's right, like we said, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's, it's not R rated. Okay. Who said, who said that? I said that. Who made that up? If you tweet us and it's football related, it's within the conversation, it's a PG tweet. I mean, you know, it could be a little shades of PG 13 in there, just a what? little shades of PG 13 in there. It can't be like just not rated at all. No, it cannot. Jeez. It's got to be like uh, like remember the Titans, Arthur Motes. You know, and remember the Titans. Uncut. I, th- I think there's two curse words because that's all you're allowed to have and still be a PG rated movie. Is that for real? Or maybe it's one curse word. I have no clue. But then again, it's certain times where I watch Disney. I'm trying to figure out like where do they draw the line on curse words? Exactly. Yeah. If, because like certain four letter words yeah, are four letter words, they, but they, other four letter they words let they let them and slide I'm like, under wait the a rug. minute yeah. now, hold on. 
My mama used to beat me if I said any of that. My daddy washed my mouth up with soap if I said, if I even thought, if it even sounded close to that word. You know how long it took me for me to say the word dang with a G? I couldn't even say that growing up because it was too close. Oh, I, I'm still ner- I'm 29 years old, Arthur Motes. I'm still nervous to curse in front of my parents. No, no, no. I'm 32, and I don't curse right, in front of my parents. Exactly. What? Exactly. Are you crazy? Exactly. I'm a, gro- I'm a whole grown man with a family. I got mouths to feed, and I will not even... Listen, they be around, and they don't, they don't curse around me. And oh, I'm like, yeah. nope. Not me. All right. Not <laughs> you, me. You won't fool me. Nope. Nah, I'm cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that rap Mm-mm. today. Nah. <laughs> so you tweet us, all right, something that is pertinent to the show, and we will read it on air. Again, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52, you've got another 117 minutes here to do so. Get those tweets in. Become a friend of the show, right? Become part of the power grid, the megawatts, the electric factory. We're rocking and rolling and having some fun with you here. It's going to be an exciting August on SNR. It's got to be a... An exciting day for uh, the four-year vet Curtis Riley, Arthur Motes, uh, former Oakland Raiders safety, signed by the Steelers. One-year contract signed by the Steelers today. He's 28 years old, a four-year veteran, two years with the Titans, one with the Giants, and then last year with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, In 2018, he started all 16 games for the New York G-Men, had four interceptions last year only had three starts but played in all 16 games for the Steelers Arthur Motes I'm not gonna lie to you and make it seem like I know a bunch about Curtis Riley okay and this happened today so it's not even like I've had a chance to do a ton of research but you and I have talked about that hey speaking of good friends of the show after Jordan Dangerfield there's not a ton of depth at that safety position in that safety room we love the starters but the depth there you know, could have been uh, could have been boosted a little bit in our opinions, and this looks like uh, a move to do so. Curtis Riley signing a one year deal, twenty eight year old, four year veteran. Yeah, um, the the Curtis signing is huge for a depth standpoint. From what I've seen, he plays more free than strong safety. Okay. So you're thinking more of a Minka Fitzpatrick type. Um, I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, he, he's really aggressive in terms of attacking the ball. Know he has to work on some of his angles, tackling things on that nature. But I mean, I think anybody that's available right now that you're picking up, they're gonna have some flaws. Sure. But the thing that I do like is the game experience. Uh, I want to say he started predominantly when he was with the Giants, so he had a good amount of starts while he was there. Now, granted, they weren't the most successful, but it's certain things that you're not gonna learn on somebody's practice squad roster. It's certain things that you have to learn in the stadium, and with Curtis, I mean, he he definitely has that, and hopefully he'll be more inspired, too, when you bring him to an organization Hmm. where there is winning. When you bring him into an organization where there's stacked talent around you, a lot of times it makes you have to elevate your play. You're not able to just go in there and say, well, hey, if if Curtis is the best safety on your team, then who is he really looking to challenge him with or, or challenge himself with? But when you're bringing him to Pittsburgh and you're like, no, it's drastically different now. You, you're you competing for a legit roster spot. You're not going to be handed anything here. So I think in that regard, that's going to make him have to elevate his game. And ultimately, that's what you want. You want guys that are going to feel like they need to compete, guys that feel like sure. they need to push themselves a lot harder. So with Curtis, man, I think this could be a real good situation for him. Obviously, in Pittsburgh, we talked about the lack of depth, so that's going to be huge, especially when you're talking about the the free safety standpoint. Right now, you have what uh, Minka, you have Marcus Allen. I think I'm trying to think who else plays free on the team right now because Torrell, Dangerfield, they're all strong, strong. safeties. Yeah, I think it's just Marcus Allen and 
unless there was but see even now right because what would normally be the the normal expanded rosters isn't yeah, even to that yeah, it's not like they, they have like that. some you know like yeah. a, a UDFA an extra guy or two right like they normally have you know this time last year Drayvon Askew Henry was still hanging around <sighs> trying to see am I forget I, 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 that's what I'm trying to think too because you and I do this sometimes right where we're like oh and then we'll go to break and then we'll be like well, because, oh yeah that guy because even with Antoine Antoine Brooks I feel like he's still more of your strong. free or free I mean, or strong no, no, yeah, he's yeah. strong he's yeah. strong because yeah, yeah. he's a box safety guy right so he's still he like played some pseudo linebacker at right yeah. so he's still he's more of like a Jamal Adams type in terms of like almost a, a borderline weak side linebacker right <laughs> you know what I mean right so it, it's not a lot of strong I mean it's not a lot of free safety depth um John Battle I'd have mm-hmm. to look into him a little bit more. Obviously, he's uh, going to be a rookie out of LSU. But, yeah, it's not a lot of, of free safety competition. It's not a lot of free safety depth. And, and, and it's different when you talk about a guy like Jordan Dangerfield on paper. I mean, can he get you out of a stadium? Can he play both free and strong? Sure. But you would rather he be in the box. You would rather he be, you know, Focused close on to the line of scrimmage. Duty. Correct. Yeah. Instead of him playing free and having to worry about the, the, the issues associated with that. I think that's fair by you. Hey, uh. Speaking of safeties, do you hear what Bart Scott said over the weekend? I choose to uh, flush that down the toilet <laughs> because I, I this is my dilemma. See, I know Bart. I know and, when, and we, I address, like Bart, when we address when we address, and you know what's funny is I've always liked him too. I thought he was a char- you know this. I like Joey Porter's my favorite Steeler of yeah. all time. I like charismatic guys. Yeah, he's charismatic, but man, sometimes you can take that a little too far. Yeah, I think it would have been different, too, for me. like Because I saw Vince Williams' uh, response to him, and I think it would be different if I didn't know Bart personally. Then it's like, oh, yeah, man, let's go. But I'm like, Bart, I, I know how you think, but Bart is he's like peasy. like But sometimes not as rational. I mean, if you ask peasy who's the best safety, he's going to say Troy sure. because he played with Troy. Sure. So he 1,000% anything Troy he does. probably wouldn't trash Ed Reed in the process. True, but I think the difference is this, man. I think the guys who played in that rivalry, as long as they did, whichever side of the fence you're on, that's who you're going to – I mean, you hear me when I talk about Shea versus uh, Shazier versus C.J. Mosley. I'm like, nah, I'm taking Shea over him. Yeah. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. So, I understand Bart Scott trying to make the – and the thing is this, because they both play two different positions. That too. People, people, that's what drives me crazy. Like safety and just think, oh, safety is all – it's the same position. Linebacker, like, outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Like, is there a difference? It's like it's like comparing guard or tackle. It's let, like it's like comparing compare, running back or fullback. No, no, no. Let's compare T.J. Watt to Devin Bush. Yeah, like yeah, makes no, no sense. But only when it comes to safety, they feel like they're the same position. So that's why for me, if you understand their two different positions, how do you even necessarily compare the two? Because they, I, they're asked to do two different things. Both were great at what they did, but they're drastically different. And there isn't a stat where you can say, all right, well, is this stat more important than that stat? Is that stat more important than this stat? Can this guy do that or can that guy do this? So that was my whole thing with it, man. But like I said, I just looked at it like, you know what, Bart? Bart, he talks a lot. We know Bart. He does. And we know Bart. He, he, he's not ashamed. He, he never holds his tongue. And sometimes instead of thinking, he'll just say. And for that, I mean, that's part of the reason why I like Bart, but then that's part of the reason why Bart get in trouble. No different than my dog Peasy. And, and it's no wonder why I like both of them, why I'm close to both of them, because they both are, they're my spirit animals. They like, talk smack I, I like and, they'll, and they will guys. fight you. I, I like do. those. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> but in this situation, man, Bart, he had he had the he had the black and purple glasses on. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like I said, if you're in Baltimore. Hey, I wear the, I wear the black and gold glasses. Listen, I mean. You, you notice the only people that had an issue with it were still the people. 
if you're in Baltimore, Baltimore people have no issue with it because that's what they ride with. So no different if we get up here and we bash Ed Reed, our Steeler fans would be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Troy over Ed Reed any day. Then the Baltimore people, oh man, how you gonna say that? If you go to Philly, Brian Dawkins. <laughs> That's how it is right Philly now, people, man. Philly people probably don't like this because, yeah. I mean, if Troy doesn't belong in the same conversation as Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins certainly doesn't. Um, but, yeah, for those who are unfamiliar about what we're talking about, yesterday on Sunday, Bart Scott, uh, former linebacker of the Ravens and the Jets, who, mind you, played the Steelers twice in AFC Championship games and lost both times, but I'm sure that didn't have anything to do with this. 0-2 uh, <laughs> against Troy Palomalu in AFC Championship games, Bart Scott the uh, on an interview with Bleacher Report, I think it was yes. right. He said that uh, to to mention Troy Polamalu next to Ed Reed is disrespectful to Ed Reed in his opinion. I mean, Moats, it's his opinion. He's right to think that. But what I think is like funny about that too is okay, if Troy Polamalu can't be mentioned alongside of Ed Reed, uh, who can? Ronnie Lott? I mean, like baby Jesus, uh, like, whoever like, that guy is. If we're talking about the best safeties of all time, I think everybody, Baltimore fan, Steelers fan. Any fan agrees that Ed Reed and Trey Palomalu are both top five of all time. Fair? I just say one A, one V. Like so, if if Troy doesn't belong in the conversation, a. with if it's disrespectful to say that Troy in a conversation with Ed Reed, okay, well then what is Ed? Is Ed Reed so great then that he belongs in a league of his own? No, he's not. He's amazing. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the best safeties I've ever seen in my life. But he doesn't belong in a league of his own. He's not, he's not LeBron James out there, Mozi. I mean, he's, he's not Sidney Crosby out there, Mozi. Sid Zicky. I mean, he's not Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt out there, Mozi. He's just really, 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 really good. Really, really good. Great. Yeah. Superstar. Yeah. But come on, Bart. Come on, Bart. Speaking of superstars, Arthur Moats, kind of last housekeeping thing I wanted to make sure that we touched on today before we get into some sportsy, some back into some sportsy sports there training camp I conversation. Like it, I like it. Uh, did you see the newest owner of the XFL? Shout out to him if you can smell what the Rock is cooking. What the Rock is buying. Whew. XFL Arthur Moats for fifteen million dollars. You know what's pretty funny. He did the original promo for the XFL. Wow. I don't know if you saw this going I around on Twitter. Know. So like back in like 99 or 2000. I remember, yeah, when it first dropped. The yeah. Rock did, because he was still with WWE. Uh-huh. I think it was WWF, WWF at the time. Yeah, WWF. Yeah. He was like, him and Stone Cold were the face of mm-hmm. WWF at the time. The Rock was the one who did the promo for the XFL's like opening day. And wow. now he owns the league. Uh, I will say... Arthur Motes. I'm a little upset. If I would have known it was just $15 million, I would have hopped in on that group there. Well, God, dog. I mean, me too. Can I be like a... Uh, you know what I mean? Mo- like, can I do the Patrick Mahomes thing? Like, what are we Just talking let me get a about here? Percent? Yeah. Let me get a couple percent. I'll be a minority owner. I don't need to be the majority. <laughs> let me, I, 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 I got to put in on that. <laughs> 15, that's, that's in the range. <laughs> the XFL filed for bankruptcy on April 13th. Dwayne The Rock Johnson saving... Uh, He's pulling a Mario Lemieux for the XFL, you know, keeping yeah. him keeping him in business. Uh, and he said, the Rock said, with my trailblazing partner, Danny Garcia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There's, there's a couple more Rock jokes we can make here. Right? I couldn't help right. it. I couldn't help it. So Dwayne Rock Johnson purchased the XFL, right? You All want right. to know how much money it cost him? How much? $15 million and millions <laughs> to buy the XFL. There it is. Right? Where's, where's some other, uh, what's some other Dwayne? I like it. I like it. What, hey, Arthur Mutz, what do you think about uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson buying the XFL? 
It doesn't matter what it you think. It doesn't matter what you think no about R&B. it. What's the uh, what's the league that uh, that The Rock just bought again? It doesn't matter what its doesn't name matter. is. <laughs> For the millions and millions and millions. <laughs> the Rock says with my trailblazing partner Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital, we have acquired the XFL with gratitude and passion. I've built a career with my own two hands and will apply these calluses to our XFL brand. Excited to create something special for the fans. And I hope it works out, Arthur Motz. You and I have talked about this, how we we would like there to be a another league, right, where more guys can get opportunity, where it's not necessarily a minor league in the sense of, you know, minor league baseball and, and hockey and the system that they have and even the NBA with the D-League. But it's another football league to keep guys employed, to, to you know, be a potential for some of these diamond-in-the-rough guys to get noticed, for more coaches to get opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, it, nothing's ever going to rival the NFL. But I, I hope this works out. I really do. I do too, man, because I even thought last year that it was a very successful operation yeah. up until the COVID situation. If COVID never happens – that thing was running smooth. It was getting notoriety. It was talked about. People were tuning in. And then you look at the amount of players that were able to leave the XFL due to COVID, but actually be able to sign with NFL rosters this offseason. For me, I looked at that like, yeah, it's a success. It's there. The only thing that hindered the whole operation was the COVID thing. So barring another catastrophic, unprecedented <laughs> outbreak. Wow, I like that term. Where'd you know you what I from? mean? Like, As long as that never happens again, which, I mean, let's be real, Throughout my 32 years of living, this is my first one I've had to endure. <laughs> uh, I think it's safe to say that it probably won't happen again for another 30. You know what I mean? So if that's man, the, I hope you're right. You know what I mean? So, no, not so another that's 30, the case. More than that. Yeah, hopefully more than that. I don't want to deal with this. How about another yeah. 300? You know, so so when I think of all those things, I'm like, yeah, everything makes perfect sense if you are looking at this organization and saying that, hey, man, there was potential with this. I mean, we talked about how it was things that the NFL was even contemplating using. The, the Sky Judge, they were, the NFL was talking about that. The only reason they abandoned it was because they weren't going to have a preseason games to test, to test it, out. it out. But it was things that the XFL was doing that was working. So for me, I'm like, I love it. I think it's a great idea. And I think with The Rock, you understand how successful he's been. Yeah. You, you talk about a guy that, I mean, what, left Miami – Tried to do the football thing, went to the wrestling thing, well, made a ton to of Canada. money. Yeah, went to Canada, to but then, the then did the wrestling thing, got mm-hmm. money, but then became a mega movie star, and then went back to dominate wrestling. And, I mean, dude, like everything he touches has been gold That's right what I was now, just gonna man. Say. He 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 doesn't get involved with ventures that fail. No question. And this right here has the success. It has everything you need. We talked about not only the collegiate model that could work going through this. Yeah. We talked to, I mean, you think about the guys that are dealing with the Pac-12 situation right now. Yeah. I mean, right. it, it, it's, it's... Look what's happening with the G League. There are multiple things... Could happen in the next five, ten years. Ab- absolutely. And for it, think about this. For him to be able to have got it on the ground floor for $15 million, I, imagine what this can grow into. I was into. just going to say... I think, it's, I think it's more likely that five, ten years from now, Arthur Motes will be saying, wow, only $15 million? That's it? As opposed to we'll be saying, uh, well, the XFL's gone. Like, I think yeah. it's, it's more likely that it will blow up in the next five, ten years, blow up in a good way, right. than it'll blow out and vanish and disappear. Yeah, because literally the only reason it didn't last longer was because of COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Up until then, the ratings, we talked about how from a rating standpoint, it was killing what the AAL, I mean, what the AAF did the year before. Yeah. They had the TV contracts already done, whereas the AAF, they were trying to do it on the fly and it just didn't work out. We talked about how the AAF didn't have the money involved in it that was needed. The XFL had the money. Yeah. It was the, just when COVID the AAF happened. AAF didn't have a Vince right. McMahon with when, the When deep COVID pockets. happened, that changed everything. That was the whole reason why it had to go under because just trying to pay the people yeah. and going through that whole element with the uncertainty of if they were ever going to be able to play a game this season, that changed the whole outlook. But other than that, everything was in order. Everything was running smooth. And it, I even had the opportunity to talk to some of the players, and they spoke very highly of the organization compared to other stuff that they had done, whether it was Canada, whether it was the AAF. Right. So when you factor in all those things, I'm like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Perfect. I'm mad. <laughs> I know. We should have gotten you in on this. You could have called me a rock, man. <sighs> I thought we were boys. Man, I had some snaps on the Petra. I could have got you right. I mean, you know, I went to Monday Night Raw in 2009, and I bought a, Jeez, I bought a rock T-shirt. All right, I'm not going to lie. My first wrestling event in the 757, I was rooting for Stone Cold over you. It's all good. That's neither here nor there. Don't, don't worry. Yeah. I became a rock guy once Stone Cold stopped. Yeah. I liked both. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Boats, Wesley Euler with you here. Steelers Blitz, new time, 3-6, to six, but same hijinks, shame shenanigans. When we come back here, we will uh, continue to get to your tweets. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. And get back into some training camp related topics. Oh, yeah, baby, it's August and football is happening. And we are here to talk about it with you, as always, on SNR. Somebody say something about getting fired up, Arthur Motes. Bro, that song does something to me, man. <laughs> Where's that, that on your hierarchy of like, give me, sh- is that like check in right behind, give me shelter? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's up there. <laughs> Trust me. That gets me going. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's just the whole build up. And then anyone that heard the whole song, like, <laughs> yeah, once he gets to go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's guy ready to go jump off somebody's table right now, man, and just get crazy active. <laughs> Guns N' Roses are like one of those bands that I just forget how many bangers they have yes. sometimes. Like, they don't have that many albums. They only no. have like three or four but albums. That's the thing, though. When, when you bangers. have bangers on your album like that, you don't need a lot of albums. <laughs> get, get, hey, hey quality true. over quantity, man. Amen I'll take it any day, all right? Amen to that. You said it. Uh, and speaking of quantity, Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. uh, a, little, uh, a little news in terms of the quantity game suspension. He asked, and he received. And he received. And you know what? I'm actually glad about this. I am, too. Antonio Brown, it's been announced now by the NFL. Oh, oh, oh. is it? I thought it was Himothy. Himothy? That's what he's going by right now. Oh, that's right. Himothy. Himothy, Ronald, Ocean. Big Chess. Big Chess Brown. I'm just throwing it out there. There's no pun intended. (laughs) 
It's Himothy. H I M M O T H. We'll do this like Prince, right? Or something like the that. The artist formerly known as Antonio. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know how you spell Himothy. I'm, I'm I, so I like Timothy with an H? Yeah, but him. O T. Yeah, so H I M O T H Y? No, it's two M's. Uh, it's definitely two M's. like H I M M O. Yeah. All right, now, now you're right, losing. Right, that's, that's what I was like. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I'm t- I, when I first I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what is this? <laughs> But eight game suspension for the artist formerly known as Antonio Brown uh, if he is nabbed up by a team. I think this is good, Motes, because I think it gives him more realistically a shot to get back in the league right Absolutely. now that a team kind of knows what they're bringing on if mm-hmm. they were to bring him in. And I think for him, too, it's like you said, you got an answer, right? There's not this this cloud, this unknown. It's You, are, you know, if you put pen to paper, eight game suspension, then you're good to go. We'll see what happens from here. But I, I think this is at least fair. Yeah, I think it is. Well, and, and I think it's very beneficial for him. And in fact, I truly anticipate him being signed sometime mm-hmm. in the next week or so because the NFL also said with his eight game suspension, he is he allowed appeal, to be right? there. No, no, no. Oh, okay. He said he's not going to appeal. He said that he's completely fine with the suspension. Mm-hmm. But what the NFL did say was he can, he can participate right. in training camp, which is huge because you think about. Once the season starts, we talked about there hasn't been an off-season program. So traditionally, if a guy's going to be suspended, at least he has all the OTAs to work, all the mini camp, all right. the training camp, right. preseason games. We talked about when Le'Veon was suspended, was say, he's still playing the preseason games. He got games. extra spin in the right. preseason. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how you can make sure these guys are up to speed. Sure. But with a guy like Antonio, the longer you wait to bring him in, the worse is going to be in terms of getting him prepared and up to speed for you when he comes back in, what, late November time frame? So I anticipate him, if he is going to get signed, I anticipate it being very soon because right. it benefits the organization so much more. I think, if anything, the sticking point could potentially be money, but I don't see him even making a big deal behind that. So it's probably that. just going to be a one-year deal wherever yeah, he lands. absolutely. So I don't even see the, the money element being such a big issue after everything he's had to overcome to get back. Now, granted, there are still some pending things going on with him that could add to this potentially. But as it stands right now, they're content with the A game. He's content with the A game. So it'd be interesting to see from an organizational standpoint, you have to weigh the risk of if he's worth the headache. Some people will say yes. Some people will say no. But when he's on the field, we know what he can do. Let me ask you this quickly. Um, this just popped into my head because we know there's been some talk about A.B. and the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar has spoken about that publicly. There's been some talk about A.B. and the Seahawks. Yes. Him and Russell Wilson have worked out together. Pu- I mean, publicly. They've posted videos on Instagram Correct. of them working out together. The comments of Antonio – Antonio Brown. The comments of Odell Beckham Jr. today, mm. Arthur Motes, saying how he doesn't think there should be a season. He'd be cool if there wasn't a season. Do the Browns potentially maybe kick the tires on A.B.? I could see them. I mean, I think, honestly, every team outside of Pittsburgh and Oakland should look into him. New England, maybe. <laughs> the only thing with the Patriots is because he went at Kraft directly. Yeah, That's the equivalent of – that's why I said not here or not Oakland because he went at these organizations, the head, the hierarchy of these organizations, directly. So that's the you biggest can't bite issue the hand with that. that feeds. Correct. And the way he went about it, it wasn't like you're saying, oh, I think he's a bad owner. It was more of the personal attacks of, well, you did this. Not cool. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I take those three teams out of it. But outside of that, I think every team should look into them. And maybe if you're the Browns, I don't think they will for the simple fact that even though Odell has said what he said, he still also he still said he's not going to opt out. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm like, that's. 
kind of a big contradiction for <laughs> yeah, you to say that you think it shouldn't be played and all this other stuff, but you're not going to opt out. But that's neither here nor there. Odell has decisions that well, good to I see don't. His, good to see his heart's in it. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, it, you know, Odell, I'm not, I don't agree with him on everything, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but with AB, though, man, I think also you're going to have to really trust where he is mentally. We know that the NFL made it a requirement for him to, to see a therapist and yep. seek help. And when he was going through his I'm upset with the NFL post, he said, I saw the doctors y'all wanted me to see. But it didn't come off as, hey, I'm trying to do this to get better. It was more so I did it to check the box as a requirement. So that's the only thing you really have to see. Okay, can I trust him? Do I feel comfortable with him going forward? Because we know, man, if if – he gets, you know, rubbed the wrong way if he feels this thing isn't what he wants it to be. We know how he can he can get. We know this. <laughs> so I think that's the only thing that's going to make teams a little hesitant to to bring him in. But from a talent standpoint, I mean, I don't care if he's a year off. It's no different than Gronk. You, right. Trust me, how many people are lined up to get Gronk? A lot. Everybody. Yeah, so, so, don't, <laughs> so don't tell me that you were lined up to get Gronk and Gronk was beat up, battered. Whereas A.B., last time A.B. was on the field, A.B. was still the best receiver in the last league. Last time A.B. was on the field, he was the best player on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess technically he was on the field for that one game for the Patriots. No, and that's why I said what but I that's said. that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he scored a What are we talking game? about here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you're I'm not about to tell Saints me Brady. Game, but you're right, about to say, you're not too. about to tell me Brady at 43 it, 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 or last year or was it uh, two years ago now or a year ago? Excuse yeah, me, a year, year ago. ago. It was last season. Yeah, yeah. last Early season. Early last season. Yeah, was better than A.B. at that time? Nah, not at all. So, Yeah. I said what I said. Man, I can forget. How easily we forget. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Arthur Motes, Antonio Brown is a wide receiver. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have themselves a new wide receivers coach, Ike Hilliard. Shout out to Ike. From the Washington football team? Yes, indeed. Former Buffalo Bills coach, man. That's my dog. Ike, good dude, man. Super chill. Ike Hilliard, he spoke today. Listen, folks, we've talked about it, right? It's It's a different training camp. It's a, it's a different football world, but we're going to try and keep things similar it's here on SNR. One of the things that makes training camp so cool is all the different people that we get to hear from, from the players to the coaching staff uh, to Mr. Rooney to Kevin Colbert. We hear from all different kinds of people. Well, Because essentially during the season, we don't get this. Right. This is the yeah, access period. There's this. a coach yeah. who speaks every day. There's a couple players who mm-hmm. speak every day. Well, this morning it was Ike Hilliard available to the media house. He feeling in Pittsburgh – how has all this <laughs> unprecedented times affected mm, his mm, transition mm. to the Steelers? What does he think about Chase Claypool, the new rookie wide receiver? Ike Hilliard spoke about all of that earlier today, and we will let you hear coming up next when we start our number three. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, bonus hour on the way. Woohoo! Steelers Blitz on SNR. Bonus hour here on The Blitz today. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, hour number three. And just 60 minutes from now, it'll be Dale Lawley, Matt Williamson, I think maybe Mike Pursuta as well, carrying you home until 8 o'clock, 11 hours of coverage on day one and every day going forward as we continue to roll along here. All right, Motsi, let's get to it. Like we said, one of the coolest parts of training camp, usually out at St. Vincent, right, is that that's the... Dinos. Well, obviously. Sharkies. That too. Fans. Love the fans. Heat. Eh, It's okay. I mean, it's good for my tan, but... eh, Uh, Steelers chefs. We love them. Well, they're not the chefs out there now. Yeah, no, they are now. 
Oh, that's new. Yeah, that, that must was, be. Uh, that wasn't the case was that when I was the case there. When you were there, no. That is the ca- that's the case now. I, I, at least that I'm was, pretty sure I see all the same. The I see all the same faces there yeah. that I see on the south. That was not the case. I see like, whoa, wait a minute here. <laughs> but Take out <laughs> one of the one of the coolest things I think from a fan perspective, and for somebody you know like uh, like me, who I don't want to say you and I do the same thing here, but I mean someone who didn't play in the National Football League, right? That's the access time. Like, mm-hmm. during the season, you're not getting much access to these guys. You might get a couple minutes after yeah. practice, after games. That's about well, it. Let's be real. A lot of us, <laughs> we find ways to avoid exactly. you even in that hey, window. And, and, and you're, I mean, you're being honest with it. You know, and Don't get me wrong. Hey, <laughs> let me say this. Let me say this. When I was, you know, high school superstar hockey player at Mars <laughs> High School, okay, I did my best to avoid uh, the Chris Adamskis from the Trib, too, who were hey. trying to get quotes from me after Penguin Cup games. I get it. There, there, there were plenty of... <laughs> As much as people talked about how I was very accessible to the media and I talked, even I was at the art, uh, the chief award and all that for the media, there was still plenty of days where I'm just like, nah, bruh. I just don't want to do this today. Nah, I'm going to hide the bathroom today. <laughs> Arthur Motes, I love my wife more than anybody in this world. There's some times where I don't want to talk to my wife. Hey, man. So I, can, I mean, I get it. Believe me. So I, I get it. like, I ain't, got, I ain't got it for y'all today, man. A lot, I, a lot I of media people take this kind of thing personally. Like they, I told you, I don't. I also, too, to be fair, I'm not really like a journalist. I'm just a radio yeah. gas bag. I'm not out there hunting it, 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 down stories. You're not know, a beat writer. The beat writers right. I see every day. And it's the beat writers. You got to respect they're, the beat writers because they have the toughest they job. Grind. They have to, they're every day. It's not like the national guys who come in once a week and whatever they Write put out is gold. Right. These guys every day have to come with content. But you know how it is, man. You might have a bad day at practice, got oh, something yeah. personal going on. And that's the last thing you want to deal with sometimes. Just sit there and grin and, oh, yeah, everything's great. So it's been a couple times where I'm like, I'm going to get some treatment today, guys. I'm going to holler at (laughs) y'all. One of the cool parts about training camp, right, everybody being on campus, is you really do get a chance to establish those relationships, get to know people, have some real conversations. We're going to try to do that, you know, (laughs) as realistically as possible here in uh, these unprecedented times. Again, you know, I haven't said that at all. Nobody's said that over the last few months. No one says that word. That's a new word. So we're hoping that every day, right, we will have a different coach, a different coordinator to bring you some audio of today. It's one of the newest in the black and gold. New wide receiver coach Ike Hillard. Oh, man. Talk about a, a crazy offseason to to be joining a new franchise. He talks about that. He talks about Chase Claypool, everything happening with this training camp. Take a listen. The Steelers have never really had a receivers coach as accomplished as you are on the field. So my question is, did you think that helped with you with your interview? And how does being a former player who's been there, done that in this league, uh, go with helping the younger wide receivers and teaching them? Uh, regarding the interview process, um, I think you'd be better off, uh, you know, asking the head coach how, you know, he saw it. I, I would hope uh, that to some degree being fortunate enough to play 12 years uh, would help me uh, in terms of uh, how I communicate, what I communicate, uh, how I can detail uh, what I need to detail for each player or collectively for the group uh, in terms of the nuances of the position. So uh, for me, I think I'd have to go back uh, uh, to my first job interview and uh, the late Tony Sperano told me that, you know, uh, playing years are like dog years to coaches. And, and it's a little bit different uh, in, in terms of uh, communicating with the players, how you deal with the players, how the players deal with you, uh, the things that you see on the move uh, uh, regarding playing the game and, and things of that nature. So, you know, really harness that, you know, to, to the fullest uh, capability and, and try to 
exude that every time you teach. Uh, so hopefully it helps. Uh, I, I think um, I've been unfortunately blessed, uh, unbelievably blessed, I should say, not unfortunately, uh, unbelievably blessed uh, up until this point to uh, still be around a game and looking forward to continuing to lean on that that experience uh, as I continue to teach. Thanks, Nick. Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Hey, Ike, thanks for doing this. Um, kind of going off Mark's question, the Steelers have a really young receiving core. What's your connection been with them so far? And, and what things have you noticed specifically in guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju um, that they need to do to kind of, in Juju's case, return to his his form a couple years ago in Deontay to make that second-year jump that the Steelers like to see out of a lot of their wide receivers? Well, I think every year as a coach, you want to see continuous growth, you know, out of every player. Uh, it's no different here. Uh, yes, on paper, uh, it's a considerably young group, uh, but I've, I've been around young groups before. I've coached young players before. I've been blessed that way. Uh, this group is a little younger than uh, – the group I had in Buffalo, we had Stevie Johnson uh, and, you know, newly drafted Robert Woods and newly drafted Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Chris Hogan, after he'd been cut three times, um, and, you know, guys like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to, uh, you know, dealing with younger players and, and trying to help them with their journey. Uh, as far as, you know, each of those guys are concerned that are here, uh, you know, Juju, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to bounce back this year from, you know, from his injuries uh, from last year. And he looks great. Uh, he's worked incredibly hard. Uh, so we're looking forward to, to having Juju for a healthy 16 plus. Uh, Deontay needs to continue to grow and detail his work and mature and, and things of that nature. And I can go down the list from, you know, from those two guys to Ryan Switzer to Chase Claypool, and, you know, all of the guys in the room. I think uh, everyone will be pleased if, if, uh, you know, if I can get the most out of these players and, and uh, uh, everyone involved, including you guys, including everybody in the building, can see continuous growth on a weekly basis. Thanks. Rafe Apollo, Post Gazette. Oh, sleep. No? Okay. All right. Hi, Ike. How are you? Outstanding. How about yourself? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, just following up on Brooks' question. Um, a young room, but it is fairly accomplished. Um, some of those guys have, have done some things in this league. And then you add on two veteran um, accomplished tight ends that are going to get targets too. How do you keep all those guys content and happy in their roles, you know, uh, as you juggle their egos and, and you know, that sort of thing? Uh, winning is the, the cure-all. Uh, I think everybody's heard that before. Uh, you win football games, everyone is happy. Um, I've really never been concerned with, with egos and uh, attitudes and personalities. Uh, that comes with the territory. Um, I think when guys understand uh, what the ultimate goal is, uh, we won't have those issues. And, and it starts day one. Uh, we have, a, you know, a, well, I personally think a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, coming back this year healthy. And uh, he's going to lead this team. He's going to get the ball where it's supposed to go. And it's our job to make the player when the ball's in the air, and uh, we won't have to worry about uh, any of that other stuff going forward. Ed Bouchette, The Athletic. Hello, Ike. Sorry for the delay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
with with such a young group, uh, is a is a leader emerging like Juju, and is that important to have one? Well, it starts with me, you know, in the room with with how uh, I deliver the message, you know, by way of the head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, it's my job to help these uh, these young men uh, prepare the way that they're supposed to prepare. I have to teach them how to be pros, and uh, you know that's no disrespect to anyone that's been here before me, but that's uh, you know what I've been asked to do, and I intend to do that. So I'm going to uh, lead by example, uh, lead them through the way I teach, how I prepare, how I prepare them, uh, what we do every day from a fundamental standpoint, how we see the big picture uh, on a snap by snap basis. Uh, but those leaders usually emerge uh, uh, throughout competition, uh, throughout daily work. And, uh, you know, that'll at some point uh, take care of itself outside of me. Prezuda, DVE. How's it going, Ike? Outstanding. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you have a good track record with rookies in particular in your coaching career. Uh, McLaren last year was the latest example. How much of what has worked coaching up rookies previously is unavailable to you this year because of these circumstances? And how do you intend to work around what you can't do? Every year is the same for me. I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, we're going to get these guys ready to play. Um, these kids are extremely talented. And uh, it's just our job just to get the most out of them. Uh, we're not going to make any excuses about uh, how much you know time we missed in the offseason on the grass or any of those things. We've worked uh, virtually. We've worked hard. Uh, we have to now uh, make sure that when we do get real snaps, you know, we maximize those um, and, and we get the most out of those players on, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis. It's going to be no different this year. These these young men are going to be productive, and, and we're all going to be proud of what you know the product that we put on the field. Jim Wexler, Thank you. 47 Sports. Hi, Ike. Hey, uh, what? Uh, I'm good. What do you bring as a coach that's unique uh, to the wide receiver position? <clears throat> I think for me, um, I lean a lot on my uh, in helmet experience. Um, uh, so there's a certain feel and in, in, in timing and spacing uh, portion of receiver play. And sometimes that, you know, that I guess, uh, it, you know, it's really not, uh, not talked about uh, a lot. And I think it's important for young players to know that outside of the progression on a quarterback, that the, the spacing and timing uh, and the rhythm of his play is just as important uh, as their individual uh, talent level in regards to how they get open depending on coverage uh, and before they make a play. And I think uh, helping them understand that uh, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis and how they fit within every concept, uh, how their role uh, evolves uh, during the course of a, a game um, uh, based on a game plan and understanding the big picture and what we're trying to accomplish. I think a lot of that um, is what uh, I hopefully uh, and, and confidently uh, will bring to the table uh, to help these young men be successful. Joe Rudder, Trig. We can't hear you, Joe. 
Okay, we got you muted right now. Try to unmute one more time. Is that better? Yeah, gotcha. I can hear you. Okay. Um, when, when you got into coaching, was there anybody who coached you coming up through in the NFL that you kind of used and patterned some things off of and, and, and helped shape you? Uh, well, uh, I think year seven of my playing career, um, I was really convinced that I wanted to get into coaching. I've been fortunate enough to uh, transition right after playing, and I've been coaching you know, ever since. Uh, but to answer your question, I think <clears throat> for me, having the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, and unfortunately we lost, but understanding uh, the few years that I had with Sean Payton as an offensive coordinator and understanding uh, the chess match, you know, within the game of football and the detail that was involved there uh, to help us make that run and, and have a few of those special teams uh, for the Giants uh, quite a few years ago and um, running into a uh, situation where I was coached by Mel Jackson and uh, coached by Richard Mann, um, it, you know, and being around, you know, John and Jay Gruden, and I think the method for their madness uh, really helped me uh, mold, uh, you know, my my mental, per se, uh, to prepare for, for coaching. And uh, it's just been great for me to be able to share, uh, you know, successes and failures and in-helmet, you know, perspective and, and uh you know, all of the stories that go along with the great game that I love and respect. So uh, that's that's kind of how it happened for me. Thank you. Brian Dacko, Post-Gazette. Hey, Ike. Uh, welcome to Pittsburgh. Hope it's treating you well so far. Treating me very well. Thank you. Good. Um, I wanted to ask you about James Washington from what you've watched from him last year. Where are the biggest areas that he needs to improve to continue to build on uh, the progress he made in year two? And now also uh, with the news that came out, the announcement, uh, was it yesterday, I think, about him being placed on the reserve list? How much time does he lose and, and how much is, is that going to be a challenge for him in the early process here? Well, I'm just be, uh, you know, forthright with you. I think when it comes to injuries and the COVID situation, uh, I'm just going to defer to the head coach on all of that, you know, regarding time or treatment or any of that stuff. Uh, that is way above my pay grade. Uh, so I'm going to leave that where it is. No disrespect to you or anyone else. Uh, but in terms of uh, his development, I think uh, everyone can see that James is a freakish athlete. Um, and we love and respect that. Uh, there's areas of growth. Again, timing and spacing. I can get into specifics about using his hands at the line of scrimmage versus press a lot more, uh, using strength that way. Um, have to find a way to get more lateral movement out of him. Uh, in terms of quick twitch uh, and helping him get away with some of those things because of the linear athlete he is. Um, and again, I'm not trying to ride, you know, read his rap sheet or give up, you know, all of the things that we're going to work on, but things of that nature. Being stronger at the point uh, when it comes to blocking, I think everyone in this, uh, in our room, uh, needs to do a better job to help, uh, you know, Connor and the rest of that running back room uh, get more yardage. Uh, we got to get more there. Um, but, you know, as all young players, you know, they're, they're going to see themselves. Uh, for however many years, you know, they, they've been here, you know, with James, just a few. We're going to look at the plays. We're going to detail them, you know, uh, once he gets back. We're going to accelerate that process how we see fit. And uh, we expect James to be a better player this year than he was last year. Thanks, Ike. Yep. Dale Lawley, DK. Hey, Ike. Uh, 
obviously, you, you, I'm sure you had uh, some input in the drafting of Chase Claypool, and, and this was a, a, a very good rookie draft class for wide receivers. What did you see in him that, that made him a guy that, that, that you guys wanted to target uh, in that second round? He can't teach 6'4", 238, 4'4", 1 electric time. And that's just, you know, something that uh, doesn't fall off of a tree. And uh, you get a chance to uh, harness, you know, that, that kind of talent and kind of shape it and mold it into something that can be really, really special. I think as an organization, we all jumped at the bit. Uh, and he can do so much for the football team uh, and affect the football team. Uh, in a positive uh, manner outside of playing receiver. Um, and we we love that. Uh, we're going to love his physicality, uh, his playmaking ability, and his speed. Thank you. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. <laughs> hey, Ike. Welcome to Thank town. You. Appreciate you. you doing this. Um, just Thank overall, you. what have you been able to do with this group to this point, and what are your thoughts on the talent in the room? As, as a whole? Well, I've been doing a lot of talking, and I think they're tired of me talking and they're ready to get on the grass now. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, to doing that so we can start working together and, and kind of building a, a plan of attack, you know, per se. Uh, but it's really just detail and offense. And, and you know, uh, I guess I'll share somewhat of a story and embarrass myself. I don't know if this is embarrassing myself, but uh, when I first got into coaching and I first had my uh, opportunity to have my first room, after being an assistant wide receiver coach uh, with the Dolphins and, and fortunate enough to work for Mike Shanahan, he told me that as a coach, uh, it's going to take you about three years to learn all of the details about my offense. So imagine that as a coach or being told that as a young coach, and now you turn it over to a young player. Uh, and we have quite a few of those uh, in, in the room, and that's okay. We're just going to accelerate the crowd of the process. We're going to hammer out the details, and that's basically what we did uh, this offseason, we're going to continue to do on a daily basis. We are going to challenge, you know, these young men to be great, and we're going to challenge them to detail everything in their work, uh, in their prep, uh, in their individual uh, portions of practice, doing team, doing everything, doing note-taking. We want them to dominate. And, uh, you know, we just have to continue to grow and get better, and that's what we intend to do, uh, piggybacking off of what we did this offseason in detail. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Richie Walsh, KDK. Hey, Ike, um, just to follow up on the Chase Claypool question, compared to a normal year, do you do you expect him to catch up? Is he where he is on schedule right now? Are you worried about that at all? I'm, I'm not worried about anything. And uh, last year opened my eyes uh, more than anything else. Uh, when you put the time in and you put the work in and you are put in position to make plays and you make plays, it doesn't matter when you were drafted. It doesn't matter how long it took you to get on spot in terms of the organization or on campus, however you want to coin that term. Uh, Chase uh, does what we expect him to do, and that's make plays early and often. Chase is going to play a lot, and he's going to be really good. And uh, that's what we expect about, uh, or from, I should say, a lot of those guys. I learned that from Terry McLaurin, or about Terry McLaurin, McLaurin and young players uh, wholeheartedly last year because uh, the world expected him to be a special teams player. And he ended up being our number one last year. Uh, for the Washington football team. And, uh, you know, we expect the same or more, uh, if not more, uh, from Chase or any other young man that wants to step up and make plays. Thanks. Jenna Harner, PXI. 
Hey, Ike, thank you so much for taking some time. I know it's kind of crazy in all this right now, but what's impressed you the most about the rookies here in this different training camp that this year brings? Well, I think uh, the, the way the guys have gone about their business in terms of following instruction and uh, taking care of themselves, uh, staying out of harm's way, uh, communicating, uh, I, I guess, communicating back uh, the everyday teaching uh, in a detail has been really, really impressive, I think, as a whole with this group. Um, and I don't want to compare it to, to any other groups. I think it's just unique here. Um, and it's a lot different in a positive way, much positive way than I've been around uh, in my years uh, of coaching coming here. So I've, I'm obviously, uh, you know, my opinion is worth anything. I'm obviously thrilled with, you know, what I've seen from the young guys, you know, specifically in, in my room and as a whole. I think, I think everybody's done an unbelievable job of, of uh, you know, doing the right thing, uh, putting in the time, getting the details taken care of and communicating that. And, and we're just hoping that, you know, we can get on the grass soon and compete and see where we are and put a good product on the field. All right, we have time for two more. Aditi Kinkwagala, NFL Network. Hello. Um, as young as your room is, you do have a veteran quarterback. How much oh, time yeah. have you spent talking to Ben about what he's looking for from your guys, from your room, what he likes and doesn't like? And just one more, as a Jersey girl who grew up a Giants fan, have you showed your film to your room? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think those boys were interested in watching me play. <laughs> but, uh, um, but at some point, hopefully, uh, I can go and talk about myself after hopefully helping them do what they need to do. But in regards to your question in, in, uh, about Ben, there's never going to be enough time uh, for me to spend with the quarterback uh, and, and, you know, trying to, I guess, pick his brain in regards to what he likes and what he wants. Uh, if nothing else, just to make sure that the young men are where they're supposed to be when, when he's ready to go to football. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to diving in uh, and, and spending a bunch uh, of time with the quarterback and, and hopefully we can all get it uh, uh, accelerated and, and where it needs to be so we can be the best offense. All right, last question is for Noah Strapping, Sports Illustrated. Hey, Ike, thanks for doing this. Um, going back to Juju, you've been in the NFL system long enough to see the highs and lows of an, of an NFL career. Have you had any advice for him co go coming off a roadblock like he had last year with injuries and stuff like that? Uh, again, I try not to talk about myself a lot, uh, but I was fortunate enough to play 12 years. I had eight surgeries, so I understand. Juju uh, and I have talked. Juju understands. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's our job uh, as players and coaches uh, to, to perform, and uh, he understands that. And he's going to be great this year. Uh, he's going to do everything in his power to stay healthy, uh, number one. And, uh, you know, outside of availability, being your best ability, um, the, the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. We all know that Juju's a playmaker. Uh, we all know that he's going to be a guy that we want to get the ball to, uh, you know, to jumpstart our offense in a big way. And uh, he is looking forward uh, to being Juju. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you. That's all the time we have, and we will see most of you tomorrow for Ben and Coach Canada. Oh, Ben and Coach Canada tomorrow. Mozi, I tell you what, it's going to be a fun week here on the program. That was Ike Hillard, the Steelers' 
wide receiver coach, a guy that Arthur Motes has a little bit of experience with. We will talk about that on the other side. He is Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Get those tweets in. Uh, about a half an hour here to do so at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Conversation continues on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rolling along here. SNR training camp coverage, day one. We're fired up and ready to go. Motesy there to start the final hour. We heard from the Steelers' new wide receiver coach, Ike Hilliard. And he's a guy that you have uh, some familiarity with, correct? Yes, indeed, man. Taking it back to my Buffalo Bill days, man. But, yeah, Ike was an awesome addition to the coaching staff. Um, he was up there with uh, Doug Marone, you know, your boy. But I say, it was a good time, man. Um, the one thing I remembered about Ike, though, and obviously he was a lot younger. This would have been in 2013. Just super smooth, man. A guy that you – the players that were there – they love the fact that, number one, you have the relatability of a guy who played an extremely high level. You think about Ike was on a team that went to the Super Bowl. Ike was a, a major yeah. receiver in the NFC East. I mean, he dominated for years. And the thing that I noticed with the players are not only did they love just how close he would get to them, but also how he could relate to them in, in terms of the experiences. We had a guy, a young receiver at the time, Stevie Johnson who was still coming into his own couple thousand-yard seasons, and he was able to really just talk to him and help him understand how to hmm. handle that, yeah. the success that goes with it. And I think of the stage where Stevie was in his career versus the stage that Juju was. At the time, Stevie was more successful on the field having 3,000-yard seasons consecutively. But I think Juju obviously is a bigger name because of his brand and everything he does on and off sure. the field. But a guy like Ike who played in New York in front of a major media, uh, in front of major media attention, Day in and day out, a guy who played in the Super Bowl, a guy who had big plays in that game as well. Yeah, He's a guy that can relate to a guy like Juju and really help him maneuver through this time where you're dealing with the the hype of who you are, the opportunity to show that you can be a legit number one receiver on top of coming into a contract situation. So when you think about a guy like Ike, I think he's the perfect blend for that room. And then also a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's young and up and coming, I can help guide that guy and help him stay on the right path and understand how you need to maneuver through some of these things or even a Chase Claypool who actually in size-wise is going to be very similar to an Ike Hilliard yeah. just because they were bigger body receivers. Now, granted, Chase is a, a lot faster, but still, like, just in that vein, man, I think this is going to be a great situation for him and everybody that's in that receiving room because I've had the opportunity to see him work with the receivers that were in Buffalo, guys, like I said, who were very successful and guys who were kind of up and coming and developing. In that same receiving room, just to give you context, we talked about Stevie Johnson, who was three years consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He also had rookie Mark uh, Marquise Goodwin. He also had rookie Robert Woods. Both of these guys have went on to get second and third contracts. Both of those guys have went on to be very productive. Robert Woods coming off of two back-to-back 1,000-yard -back yeah. seasons. So just to give you context – this is a guy that's developed guys who were already established and up-and-coming guys. So I think this is going to be a great situation for here in Pittsburgh and the receivers here in particular. 
So we know, uh, sticking with Juju and, and Deontay Johnson as well, too, those guys were close with Daryl Drake, mm-hmm. former Steelers wide receiver, who, of course, passed away tragically last year in Latrobe at training camp. So if you were talking to those two guys, right, Motsi, and they said, hey, hey, Motes, you, you, you know Hilliard, right? Like, what should we expect? Are we getting that same father-type figure? Are we getting a real, <laughs> a real, you know, hard a double S, you know, a guy, are, are we getting are we getting a players coach? Are we getting a guy who's going to be honest, honest, honest all the time? You know, like what? Like I, I was really close, clo- close. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. I was really close with Coach Drake. You know, he was like a father figure to me. What should I expect from Ike Hilliard? I think the best way to put it is a more refined, more mellow version of a Joey Porter. Hmm. We talk about the relationship that well, you you talk about how TJ Bud me. All of us spoke so highly of a Joey Porter because he was able to relate to us on a personal level because of him being out there and dealing with some of the things that we dealt with in terms of, all right, in a six technique, the challenge is that. In a seven technique, the challenge is that. Oh, I'm, I'm having success. How do I handle that? Oh, it's contract negotiation. How do I handle that? Mm. PZ was a guy that we could all relate to because, number one, he was closer to us in age. Because a guy like Keith Butler, who also played at a high level as well, because it was so far apart in terms of the time, it was just different in terms of how you would handle negotiation with him. Or even the style of play is different between his time versus our time. He could still help us, but it was more of the father figure element of it. Whereas with Joey and even with Ike is going to be more of the bigger brother element of it. Hmm. So it's going to be a guy you can confide in, a guy that you're not going to look at and say, man, this seems like I'm talking to management. Because you don't want that feeling with your position coach. You want to be able to have, all right, I can talk to you about something and you're going to give me an honest sure answer and it's not going to be, be the company man correct yeah. you know what I mean or, or I don't have to feel like oh I'm going to get backlash for saying this to or you or you're going to go and right. tell everybody what I was saying yeah, yeah. so Ike man he's going to be that type of guy and, and I think that bodes extremely well when you look at the receivers in this room because you don't have any 10-year veterans in that room you don't have a guy that that is produced on a crazy high level for more than two years right now when you're talking about what Juju has done versus what we're projecting him to do so I think man when you bring in a guy like Ike Ike is a guy that's going to be able to relate to them so much more and so closer because of the age disparity as well. Sure. I mean, Ike is in his 40s right now. So it's far closer than when you think about a guy like uh, Coach Drake, who was a lot older. It, it's, it's still just a different vibe with that. And like I said, both are very effective. No different. We talked about with a Joey Porter versus a Keith Butler. Sure. All are, everybody can be effective. It's just different ways in which they'll go about doing it. But like I said, for me, I think that Ike is going to do a really good job in terms of keeping these receivers with their head on the right path, handling the success for either Juju or even Deontay, who's coming into this thing. And then when you think about a guy like Chase Claypool, he's going to be able to relate to all of those guys in so many different ways. So I think that's why I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, me too. It was it was a rough year last year for the Steelers wide receivers, right, for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, obviously, the passing of Coach Drake before the season starts, you lose your quarterback six quarters into the season. You got kind of a rotating door of quarterbacks. Juju dealt with injuries. Deontay Johnson dealt with injuries. I mean, <laughs> we don't even really remember him or talk about him much, but Dante Moncrief dealt with injuries yeah. too. I, I mean, and now you've got Chase Claypool coming in as a rookie who's dealing with a just a completely different offseason than rookies usually get. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a very good presence to have in that locker room and in that wide receiver I was thinking room. about too, another reason why you're going to get that respect, similar to what I was talking about with Peasy, mm-hmm. was number one, they played at a high level. I mean, you talk about he played at a crazy high sure. level, right? 
but also you respect him because where he was drafted at too. I mean, you think about this guy was a seventh overall pick, man. Yeah. Like that's big time. Be the highest, be the highest yeah. overall pick on the Steelers roster like, like, right now, tied that. with Joe like, Hayden. So, so when you talk about being able to relate to what it's like to be a star. What it's like to have attention? Being the seventh overall pick, attention comes with that. And then being the seventh overall pick and playing in New York yeah. for seven years on top of the eight <laughs> seasons, like, yeah, it don't get no bigger than that, man. So I think that's why, like, when I think of a guy like Juju, who we know the media attention around him, we know how some people love it, some people hate it, they criticize him for it. Ike is going to be a guy that can really help him Mm-hmm. maneuver through that and mentally stay where he needs to be. Like a guy it. like Deontay who's coming into it, even a guy like Chase Claypool who was the highest pick for the Steelers in this draft, sure, he can still be able to relate to him. And that's what you want with a coach. You want a guy that, hey, anybody in this room from top to bottom, I've experienced what you've experienced. I have knowledge firsthand. Trust me on this. Listen to me on this. That's what you want. I'm listening to you, Arthur Motes. Just like they're going to listen to Ike Hilliard. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, baby. One more segment to go on our first day of the new day. I don't know. It's like a new school year. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. familiar faces. Familiar. I, got, I, got my new, I got my new outfit on for school just today. different classrooms. You know what I mean? Instead of going yeah. down that hallway from noon to two, now we're over here from Absolutely. three to six. You know, But we'll do what we always do. We'll wrap up the show with your tweets on the other side. So last chance to get them in, knuckleheads. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. We'll wrap up the show before we turn things over to Mike Pursuta, Dale Lawley, and Matt Williamson. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show as we always do with your reaction on the Twitter.com. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, bonus hour number three. Let's get right into it here. We got some uh, some happy tweets, Motsi. You know, uh, I like happy tweets. David is all fired up that uh, that you know that we're b- back. Well, not back, but that we got a three hour show now. Same with Thrash. Thrash says uh, new time slot, three hours, and a Penguins game tonight. You know, it doesn't get any better than that, baby. Um, and where is it here? David also added uh, talking about you know our our laughing of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, David That's says, still the craziest saying to me, man. David says, <laughs> uh, we were so poor we had to eat, forget bath water, we were so poor we had to eat cereal with a fork to conserve milk and then not dump the milk out your brother hasn't eaten yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what in the world? And then just one real Steelers-related question here, Motsi. Okay, okay. Billy J.C. Mm. wants to know the one single thing we are most looking forward to this Stellar's season. <clears throat> I think for me, I think I know. I think I know what mine is. See, I always laugh, man. It's hard for me to just make it just one thing. But you know, me being a defensive guy, it's only right that I stay on that side of the ball. But ultimately, man, I want to see the growth and development of two players, man: Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds. Um, obviously, Devin Bush, I want to see him take that that next step. 
and become that that guy. Similar to what we saw with Ryan Shazier, how the first year, obviously he dealt with some injuries his first two seasons, but then he fi- finally clicked for him. And mentally the game started to slow down for him. We saw the productivity come from that. I'm ready to see Devin take that next step. And then with Troy Edmonds, we know that you are a great open field tackler. We know that you excel in in run support, but I'm ready to see you start taking that next step. And that athletic ability that you have, let me start seeing that in the passing game. That's the next element of his growth and development. Once you start seeing that, man, this imagine how scary this defense will become once that happens. But this is a great problem to have if, I mean, those are the two guys that you're excited to see. Yeah. Or Troy Evans is the guy that you're most worried about. This is this is a great situation. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going with. Uh, the thing that I'm most excited to see is just this defense. I mean, look what they did last year, right? And that was with Minka Fitzpatrick not coming in until early in the mm-hmm. season. That was with Stephon Tuitt, who had arguably been their best player through five games, yeah. missing the last 11 games of the season. Minka gets a little bit more comfortable. Terrell Edmonds gets a little bit more comfortable. Devin Bush gets another year under his belt. Bud and TJ continue to ball out. You got Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. I'm excited to watch this defense, Motsi. I think they have a shot. Obviously, they were last year. And again, to to truly be one of the, you know, we talk about it. What we describe as an elite defense, you know, in 2020 is different than how we described an elite defense 15 years ago. Yes. But they've they've got a shot to be one of those true, rare elite defenses in this this high-octane era. Without a doubt, man, when we talk about that defense in particular, man, they, I mean, they flirted with it last year. They flirted with the chance of being very special. So you can only imagine how excited they have to be knowing from a competitive standpoint mentally hey, we have a legit opportunity. We have a legit chance every game because of the quarterback play. But then you factor in the fact that, hey, with that quarterback play, you know you're not going to be on the field nowhere near as much. So all of those things may have to have you super excited and ready to to show that, hey, number one, we're good enough to carry this team. But number two, we're good enough to help this team win a Super Bowl because of what we have on the other side of the ball now. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a perfect storm setup, man. It's going to be exciting. And today was just uh, just the start, Arthur Motes. Day number one in the books. Three hours. I mean, you called it last week. It ain't no problem. No problem. No three hours. No I mean, problem. you can do six. Well, okay, I don't know about six hours. Three yeah, hours, we'll, no We'll problem. do 12 hours. <laughs> Except my wife will probably yeah. get on me because, yeah, her 12 hours with the kids, me not around, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if wifey would love that for me either. Yeah. But, you know, maybe one of these days. We'll see. Maybe for like a marathon or a charity event or something one of these days, you mm-hmm. know? I like what you're doing there. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. We're back tomorrow. Same time, same place, all right? In our new slot, 3 o'clock. Coming up next here, it's a, it's a new show. It's the training camp report. It's our nightcap, if you will. Arthur Motes for the next two hours here on SNR. You know Matt Williamson. You know Dale Lolly of The Drive. They'll be joined by Mike Prasuda of course, of the Steelers Radio Network and the DVE Morning Show. Those three will have a two-hour wrap-up for you from day one, and that is coming up here in just about five minutes, so don't go anywhere. Motsi, that'll do it today. First three-hour shows in the books, and uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. Again, new time, so no longer high noon for the time being. You can catch us at 3 o'clock, but it's always the same. You know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.